This is episode 57, Offline with Alex Waters. Welcome to Human at Heart. I'm your host, Sophia. I'm an entrepreneur, coach and creative business consultant, yoga teacher and former lawyer. I'm on a mission to humanize how we live and do business. Each week, I share inspiring thoughts and intimate conversations with curious humans, creatives, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders who share their perspectives on what it means to be human. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, give the podcast a rating and review. It really helps the podcast grow and I would so appreciate it. And now, here we go. My guest today is Alex Waters. Alex is an international speaker and highly trusted, certified trauma-informed master coach. Alex is also a successful entrepreneur, having scaled three seven-figure companies. In 2020, Alex founded the Infinite Potential Retreat, a space for people to work with plant medicine. In this episode, Alex and I speak about what is possible when we take a leap beyond the fear into the unknown, why Alex created the law of acquirement, what we are missing when we build our lives around social media, and how being offline creates its own opportunities. Hi, Alex. So nice to have you. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat. Yes, me too. Although you just told me that you just did a four-day fast. Tell me more about that and tell the people who are listening about that so we know where you're at. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I just completed a, a three day dry fast, which um, just completed as in like two hours ago. I just had my first sip of fluid coconut water and I actually cried when I had it. Yeah. So I, I do a lot of cleansing and fasting for cellular regeneration and overall health. And uh, I prepared by doing five days of juice but i had one meal every day in the evening and then um and then i did like one day pretty much just water and then i started dry fasting so uh yeah it's a, it's it's the first time i've done a dry fast and it was very different and intense and um it's a it's a funny experience not eating or drinking water for three days but essentially your body releases up to one to 1.5 liters of water um, every day into your system. So, you know, I was still, I was still um, weeing, uh, just not liters, obviously, but it was like very yellow and yeah. And dry fasting gives your body to an, an opportunity to essentially what happens is it starts to, um, break down and uh, remove fluid first from the unhealthy cells in your body. So, you know, when, when your body needs to get energy and resource from within, it goes to what's, uh, what's not healthy in your mm. body first. So essentially, you know, it's like a full, my cells were dying, you know, there was part my body was eating itself in ways and getting rid of all the you know, the, the stuff that I don't need and turning it into new, new stuff. And, uh, that's the, that's the scientific term for it stuff. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, on a, on a physiological, like on a physical level, that's happening on an emotional level that's happening. And I had a couple of, um, pretty big emotional releases and 
haven't slept a lot in the last three nights because, you know, I just didn't, couldn't sleep really. I got like sort of four hours sleep a night for the last three nights. So Crazy. And like how, I'm, I'm assuming that there's a lot of moments where you really want to eat or drink something. And then how do you manage that in the moment? Yeah. Um, you know what? Not really. Um, I think because you're dry fasting in that, in that way is, is different because when you, you are dry fasting, there's nothing inside. And so you don't, I don't actually feel hungry. Uh, and I didn't actually feel thirsty either, even though I felt different. Um, yeah. So just discipline, but yeah, there was certainly a moment like last night I ordered some chocolate on Amazon for, you know, to arrive in the States to, for me to pick up next week when I'm there for Burning Man. And I was like looking at that and salivating over the thought of eating this, you know, peanut chocolate. Um, but yeah, um, no, I, I've, I've got a lot of discipline and I had a strong intention around this. And so it was quite easy to continue to the end. Yeah. Was there an intention beyond like the cellular cleaning that you mentioned, if you don't mind sharing? Yeah, well, I mean, just generally, I recognize that, you know, over the years, our bodies, my body has gone through a lot. And um, I've taken a lot of drugs and, you know, done a lot of damage to my body over time. And, you know, even just eating foods that aren't quite good for me and unhealthy fats and all oils and stuff like that. So, um, you know, for the last really three years, I've been really focusing on juicing and um, doing juice cleanses, water fast, and this is my first dry fast. So it's, it's really just a continuation of that. And I've, uh, dry fasting specifically helps the body because there's nothing there, any parasites that you might have, like they just die and then they'll pass. And, you know, your body does a lot of strange things when you have parasites, like, you know, it, it starts uh, creating more mucus inside your body to protect from the parasites, like lots of different things. So that was one of my intentions as well, just to just to do a full like deep clean uh, and regeneration of my, my body. Okay. It feels like, you know, even though uh, when you fast in a dry fast, you're literally not consuming anything. The whole process to me felt like I was giving to myself, really. Mm. I love that. And consuming just made me think like there's so many other things we consume beyond food, right? And did that also play a part in your your fast? Like, you know, I don't know, like not reading emails or stuff like that. Not really. I, I mean, I don't really have any things that I see as, you know, addictive or major problems at the moment anyway. So which is which is a great thing and like probably you know the first time in a very very long time that i can say that confidently um so i I watched a couple of movies on amazon prime which i would you know it's like something i never do so it was almost like a little break and Mm. it was nice to do that you know sat by the pool read read a book did some um resting and that was pretty much it yeah time really slowed down a lot I love that. And I feel like we so need that as humans, you know, we're always going so fast and not even being able to be present and take in what's happening. Um, Which actually brings me to the first question I always ask people. It's what does it mean for you to be human? Oh, I like that question. For me, it's, it's about like truly just embracing this experience that we have and 
allowing myself to experience anything in any part of it that I want. And, you know, I think a part of being human is the, the process of self actualization, self realization and coming into connection with our spiritual self um, and the truth that I believe lies around that, but integrating it into a human experience. And for me, what that is, is like, well, how can I, you know, how can I be the most expanded, loving, infinite, limitless version of myself? Mm-hmm. And yeah. And, and, you know, not, not take it too seriously. Like we're all going to die. So <laughs> it's going to, it's just going to end one day. And, you know, none of the micro problems that we tend to focus on and worry about taking out the trash or, you know, whether someone thinks we look ugly or I don't know whether someone's judging that I'm wearing a yellow shirt right now. Like, do you know what I mean? Just all the stupid shit that goes through our mind. None of it matters. So Mm. That's what, I, that. that's what I think it is to be human. Yeah. yeah. I, <laughs> I love like that, that so much. There were like, this was actually even helping for me because I was, there was something I was kind of like thinking about earlier and I was like, oh no, I, this doesn't feel good like this. And then when you just said that, I was like, oh, you know, it really doesn't matter. We're all going to die. <laughs> um, exactly. Yeah. Are there like moments when you feel that the most, like this expansive, loving version um, of yourself, like, or then like when you feel the most human, essential. You know, I think the moments where I feel the most human is, is in times, it's been, especially over the last 12 months, I've been going through a big journey of um, like unwinding constructs and, and conditioning around perfectionism for me and, and specifically identities that I'd created and how I needed to show up to fulfill those identities that weren't truly me. Mm-hmm. And so actually the, the moments where I feel the most human is when I am, I think, uh, two things. One is when I'm learning mm-hmm. and allowing myself to just grow and fuck up and not be perfect and make a mistake, whether that be with jujitsu or playing music or trying a new thing or just stepping out in a different way to experience something new, knowing that I don't have the answers. And the second part is I feel, I think I feel the most human when I'm connecting with other humans as well. You know, when I'm sharing love and community and um, hugs and connection with, with other people. Yeah. Cause I think that's what it's all about. You know, that's, we're just here to experience it and we're here to experience it together. So, yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. That's also, I ask people that all the time, right? And it's really fascinating to hear the different answers. And for me, also the moment when I connect with other people, like that's when I feel the most, because like it's in relationship that I experience myself, right? Whatever kind of relationship. Mm. Yeah. Mm, I like that. Yeah. Okay, cool. So let's talk a little bit about your story. So I'm summarizing and then maybe I get some things wrong and then you just correct me. Um, at some point you started, uh, working in real estate and then something happened and you shifted into personal development. Tell me a little bit more about that. What happened? Uh, yeah. Or, you know, kind of like take it from whatever <clears throat> angle you want to take it. Sure. So yeah, you know, when people grow up, we all create behavioral patterns ultimately as like survival mechanisms, right? So 
the kid that, you know, feels like he doesn't fit in. And two kids that feel like they don't fit in in school. One decides to be the most, the class clown, the funniest guy ever. And the other person decides to isolate himself, you know. Nothing's wrong about either one, but they just play out differently. I, I would probably put myself on the more the isolation spectrum. Mm-hmm. And really my, you know, wound from a, from a young age was I don't, I don't feel like I fit in. No one's going to accept me. And so rather than try, I'm automatically going to block you from my life. I'm going to block from connecting with you. I'm not going to let you in. And I'm also going to say, fuck you. And I'm going to prove to you how much better I am than you. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it's kind of funny. <laughs> I'm like, preach, so, you're preaching to the choir. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, that was you too? Yeah, I, I resonate with everything you're saying. Okay, cool. So, you know, what that had me do was from a very young age, like I dropped out of high school at 16. I then pursued a career and, you know, worked my way up the corporate ladder until I was 23, then jumped into real estate and was earning, you know, millions of dollars a year by the time I was 27, had multiple businesses. Um, you know, at a time where most people aren't even starting companies, you know, at 27, I had three turning over two and a half million dollars a year. So that, and that's how I got there was just purely because I was being driven from this wound of like, see, I'm better than you and fuck you. And then also, but deep down, just wanting to be good enough so that my mom loved me so that other people would love me. And at the pinnacle you know, one of the pinnacle of that is like on the outside, it looked incredible and I was building and, you know, just opened a second real estate office. People were validating me for how well I was doing. I was on the board of the chamber of commerce in my local area, like just all these things. Right. I felt the worst I'd ever felt in that moment. And I realized it's like, well, if I've, I've achieved it, I've got more money than most people will ever have access to. I've, I've ticked the boxes of what we, you know, most people are operating on as success, I think, even though I see that starting to change in the world. And I'm not happy and I, I hate myself and I hate my life. So like, what the fuck's the point? What am I even doing? And that's when I started to ask questions like that and started to find answers that had me, you know, sh- shifting things in my business, changing it to work for me and not the other way around. And uh, eventually I found, you know, after a series of uh, unsuccessful relationships, I found Preston Smiles, who you know Mm -hmm. as well, and jumped into six months coaching with him and, um, you know, just at their events just changed my life. And I started to realize that all these patterns that I had built up were not actually me or what I wanted. And so the reason I felt stuck is because I thought that this was just who I was and this is how life was. But, you know, I reached enough pain to uh, enough success and enough pain at the same time to enough pleasure and enough success at the same time to uh, have a very, you know, clear, distinct line drawn in the sand of my life of like, okay, it's time to change. Um, it's time to change. I can't do this anymore. And so that's what led me into personal development. And, you know, I didn't um, start working in that arena for a couple of years after, but until a couple of years, but um, I slowly transitioned out of my businesses, slowly sold my real estate companies. And I still own another company that I've had for seven years, which is we provide virtual assistance to businesses all around the world. 
Um, but yeah, ultimately the big focus for me over the last six years since, you know, th those realizations have just been continuing to deal with and address my fears and the things that the patterns that have had me creating life in a way that doesn't really fully align with what my soul wants mm -hmm. and my heart wants. And yeah. And so that's, that's, you know, part of that's led me into the service of other people in coaching I was doing and predominantly um, serving uh, psychedelic plant medicine and working in the, in, in a healing space in that way, helping support people through, um, through deep journeys. So I love that. that's kind of, that's the story. Amazing. And I, I find it so interesting because, you know, like I, my background is in law. So um, a lot of like, you know, I, I know people from a lot of different worlds, let's say, right. And for me, by just doing my own work and being in the personal development space, for me, it's so obvious that I would design and set up my life in a way that works for me right that's always what i'm trying to do i'm like, like to the like minor like where do i put my desk when i'm walking or you know like what is the view from you know <laughs> that sort of stuff like miniature things and i feel like that's not for a lot of people that's not even on their horizon like mm. kind of like speaking to what you're saying right that's just how life is like you go to work and then you go home and <clears throat> you have like some fun stuff planned when you're not working, but to really think about, whoa, why am I here? What do I want to contribute? How, what is really, what is working for me and what isn't? More and more, I see how that is not so obvious for a lot of people, which I find quite interesting. Yeah, you know, we're just born into this world and then we adopt the ideas that are imposed on us and a lot of that comes through going to school going to university getting a job you know buying a house getting married having kids like and i think a lot of that's shifted over the years you know you see a lot more younger people than i uh you know i'm 33 so in their 20s you know just not doing that and going traveling and working online and stuff like that, which is really cool. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's still the majority of the world operates in that way. And I don't want to sit here and say that having a job is a bad thing because it's not, it's, that's just necessary. I employ people, right? Mm -hmm. Not everyone's going to be a company owner and an entrepreneur, but I think the point of it all is, are you aware of what, are you aware that you have a choice? And are you aware of what you're actually choosing in your life? And is it really lighting you up? Because you could just, you know, go around the world climbing mountains and somehow, you know, live off very little and, you know, just work in restaurants where you go to the different places. Do you know what I mean? There's like so many different options. And I think the capitalist Western world is, and a lot of the world is just so focused on money. And we think that that gives us choice and power, which in some ways it does open up choice. But if the means to access it is not fully aligned with how we want to experience our life truly, then it's never going to be fulfilling. So yeah, it's, um, this is an interesting conversation to be having because I mean, I'm in a very fortunate position because I did work so hard mm. that now, you know, I don't really work at the moment. I'm on a like a six month break might be a bit longer yeah. and I don't have to consider financial implications, but that that's far more accessible than, 
you know, most people would think I'm not living off an exorbitant amount of money right now, you know? Um, um, but yeah, I'm definitely in that, in that process just constantly in my life now of like, what do I, how do I actually want to spend my time? Because that's my most precious resource. And what do I want to experience? And then everything else falls around that. And I think when anyone comes to a clear enough place in themselves that they understand what it is they want to experience and how they want to experience life, that if you take the, uh, take the leap beyond the fear into the unknown, that you will be rewarded. Probably not immediately, but maybe also immediately. And often, you know, like for me, I've, I've been really embodying this this year like on an even deeper level to how i've ever ever done it before and i'm on a break i haven't had a really long break like this ever in my entire adult life and for the first time i'm just like no nah, i'm not gonna do it i'm not gonna hustle i'm not gonna pursue things just because i think i need a result i'm just gonna focus on doing what i want and suddenly the universe is responding to that people are asking me to come and facilitate ceremony for them or share music with them or you know and i'm like great this is all and money is involved in that as a as a result of that but i'm just doing things that i actually want to do and, and experience you know that just light me up and I, I love the way you put it like it's are you aware that you have a choice um i think that's the that's what it comes down to and and then once you are you know you can live from that place and um mm. And even I, I think that's the starting point to even live from a place of what you were describing to me sounds a little bit like surrender, right? It's like, mm, I'm here, definitely. I'm available. Um, what I need right now is a break, but whatever comes, like, I'm not going to be like, go away, you know? Yes. Yeah, yeah exactly. And then it's, I mean, there's so many like small, I, 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 sometimes I find me talking about myself in these instances is, is like not really relatable to a lot of people because there's probably not that many people at 33 or even at 27 that have access have created access to the kind of money that i had mm -hmm. but you know an example is um someone that came to my retreat recently she's 24 she you know was working um just as a yoga instructor in australia and you know kind of like really wanted to go traveling but just kept telling herself she didn't have enough money she didn't you know, it wasn't going to work out. What if, what if, like, can I leave my family, you know, which is probably a bigger thing at 24 than, you know, in your thirties. And, and, you know, it was like once she just said yes and made the decision to pursue what she, what her soul was telling her to do, <clears throat> you know, everything else started lining up. She, someone offered her some accommodation where she wanted to live in Europe. Um, you know, she, she actually came to my retreat in Portugal and it's just now like living an amazing life, you know, and once she sold her car and like did a couple of other things, suddenly she's got like a huge amount more savings than she ever thought she would have. And you know, there's, there's all the, she's found work and it's, it's feeling all the line and it's giving her a new experience. And yeah, I, I really love that, um, that aspect of it. And, uh, you know, I think the, the point I'm trying to make here is like a lot of people, even if they're doing really well in business or in, in life financially, they're so focused on getting to a specific place before they'll let themselves have the experience of life that they really want. And that to me is a trap because tomorrow is never guaranteed. And, you know, it's like you, I know someone right now who, whose parents, you know, have just to reach retirement like pay just paid off their house and unfortunately you know this person's father has come down with a form of cancer that's terminal mm -hmm. and you know will will 
will be leaving, you know, will be leaving Earth pretty soon. And it's like, fuck, mm. like all of that just to get here and then have that. That and like the waiting to get there. But then also, I think it's just that it's not the way it walks. You know, the way it walks is you decide and then the resources come. It's not like because people are waiting for the resources, right? Mm. Like when they retire and they have time or when they saved enough money or when whatever person came into their life. But that's it's just not the way it works. Like when you make the decision, the resources come, but they don't come first. Mm. Like that's one Mm -hmm. of the basic kind of like, I don't know if it's a spiritual principle, but that's usually how it works. You take the step and then uh, the resources come, whatever the resources means, right? Just like you were sharing the story from that, that a 24 year old woman who um, attended your retreat, right? That's exactly what happened. She decided, okay, yeah. like I, I, I want to do it though. Um, although I think I don't have the money and then things lined up. Exactly. Because, you know, it's all, uh, it's all an energetic game and, as soon as we're clear in ourselves, our energy is clear and in alignment with that decision and what we start to attract and are aware of and can see, you know, and, and actually can perceive just opens up. It's, it's just like a door opens when you make a decision. Yeah. And suddenly you're like, oh, shit, I didn't realize this door was here before. Or I've been looking at this door for a really long time. Now I've stepped through. Mm-hmm. Wow, there's actually like all these things to choose from on this, you know, on the other side of the door. Yeah. I love that. While we're on the topic of uh, money, more or less, um, I saw a post that I I didn't find it. Like I was looking for it earlier, but you posted something once um, around like there's like a certain limit of money that you spend a year. Like that doesn't really make a difference. Like, you know, because people think like if they have more money, then I don't know, they're more free or whatever. Um, can you speak into that a little bit? Because I think there's this perception as well that we always need more, but at some point mm. it actually doesn't really make a difference. Yes. Um, so, I mean, s- studies show, the research that I've looked at, studies show that anything over $150,000 a year does not impact your happiness at all. So that's that's <laughs> the thing. It's like that's if you're making 150K, if you're not making 100K a year, then you know you know 150 then you know try and get to that point for sure um but don't sacrifice yourself on the way to do that but yeah above that it like doesn't really make a difference it just creates more choice but you know i personally have had you know i flew to hawaii in 2018 business class stayed in the, in the nicest hotels but it was my first it was, it was my like second or third time traveling alone and um or traveling overseas by myself and you know i just remember feeling like shit on the beach in hawaii i just like wasn't feeling good and i had that epiphany of like well wherever i go i'm there so hawaii is not going to change how happy i am with myself it's you know so i had i had more money but it didn't it didn't change my fulfillment of life um but yeah there's this um i was listening to a podcast the other the other week uh and dr zach bush was sharing um that this that from you know many many thousands of years ago we've we we decided that we were separate from nature and not a part of it and then we kind of have this like scarcity and abandonment wound with nature itself and so instead of trusting that nature will provide and we are taken care of and everything we need is right here and is always going to be here 
we the whole world in many ways is operating on this scarcity um, platform of like, well, nature abandoned us and, you know, it's not taking care of us. We can't trust us. We've got to dig up everything out of the ground. We've got to stockpile everything and we've got to build resources far more than we'll ever be able to use um, just so we have enough, just in case we don't have enough. And, um, you know, that's highlighted in the fact that there are more billionaires in the world today than ever before. And there's no there's no fathomable way that one person or one person's family can spend uh, that kind of money. It's, it's impossible. You know, the, the boats just keep getting bigger and the planes keep getting, you know, bigger as well. But that's it. You know what I mean? Like, whatever, you know, buy more property, whatever. But it's like, it's very, very difficult. It's such an enormous amount of money, even just $1 billion. Um, and I really loved hearing that because I, I think, uh, that's often a paradigm, you know, most people are in and, and many people are not in that place. And many people don't have right now exactly what they need either, um, you know, which is a really unfortunate situation in the world because actually we could, everyone could just have enough right now. It's possible. But yeah, I see a lot of people stuck in that place of just like thinking they need to have more before they can do the thing or whatever, experience life in the way that they want or constantly needing needing for more um, and there's nothing wrong with having a lot of money like i you know i'm working on some projects right now to continue growing my own wealth but i think the the key is just to really get clear on why and w what are your deeper motives and anything that is being done from fear is really uh just highlighting that you're not experiencing peace right now mm -hmm. you're in conflict in some way there's something i heard you talk about once which i haven't forgot and it's been months uh, it's the law of requirement you said you made it up but i loved it <laughs> so talk to me about the law of requirement yeah um you know i'm not sure that i fully am like in a agreement with it anymore but i did make it up because i i googled it and i couldn't find it anywhere but the I made this thing up just by saying like the law of requirement states that the, what you require will require you. So it's, it, and, and that works in the same way of like, basically what you make a clear decision around um, that you require in your life. And, and if there's actually like enough, enough depth in the, the why, and that you actually do genuinely need it, that it will require you too. It becomes like a magnet you know, and they, the magnets just start moving closer to each other. Um, but I think the, yeah, and I, I came up with that because to help people, you know, particularly students and clients of mine, to help them understand that they weren't requiring, um, the reason they weren't the version of themselves that they wanted to be was because they weren't requiring it of themselves. The reason that they didn't have certain things in their life that they desired, whether it be an amazing relationship or... Um, you know, a beautiful family or a house in a certain location or whatever, because they weren't requiring it of themselves or of life. It was an option and it's, it's optional. And this speaks into, you know, people not really fully being afraid to fully commit to their desires and um, what their heart is telling them that they want. Um, so I think that that's very helpful to understand. And, and that part of it, I definitely still, 
what I've just shared is like still very true, I believe, and like resonant and for me as well. But the deeper conversation I've been having with myself lately is like, well, why do I require that? Because just like anything, certain things can be taken, you know, into an egoic place. And in some way, the, the law of requirement is the opposite of acceptance in some way like on a very small, in a very small way. That's not to say that we shouldn't persevere to be a, um, you know, I shouldn't strive to be a better man, a more, you know, loving, compassionate human being. I shouldn't strive to listen more to the people that I'm in conversation with and be more present with them. Um, because that, I think, is what my original intention around the law of requirement was. It's like, okay, if I want to be healthier, I've got to require it of myself and commit to that decision rather than, you know, make it half-assed. But, but when you take it into like material, the material world, for instance, you know, I think, <clears throat> yeah, there's definitely a big question there. Like, why do I, why do I need that? Why do I have to require that of myself? And what would happen if I just chose to require within and, you know, how would that transpire in my life? And as I was saying earlier, that's something I've been playing with and just noticing in my life a lot this year of like, it's the first time I've ever really slowed down, really given myself permission to not work. And even though I've had breaks in the past, there's always been this need to create more or do something or think about another idea or blah, blah, blah. You know, even when I had, even when I sold my real estate businesses for $1.1 million, there was still, a, and I had like 500,000 sitting in my bank account, just, you know, there's this part of me that, that needed to, do more, get more, be more, attract more, can't just stay still for a moment. And, you know, that caused me to lose a pretty big chunk of that money because I was just investing from that place. Um, and so, yeah, when, I've, when I come into this space, this slow, present place of not being in conflict with life, not being in conflict with myself and who I am right now, and choosing what feels best, um, well everything just seems to continue to get better and life, you know, as I said earlier, is like really delivering for me personally right now. And I've seen this happen to many other people, you know. Um, I love this, this kind of like reframe to like require from like the inside. Like if I require to feel more like expansive or em embodied, you know, then the rest will take care of itself. But, but I love this, this con concept, no matter what. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, cool. When you shifted into personal development, um, from what I know, you did a lot of kind of like programs and one-on-one and -on -one coaching work and recently have shifted into retreats. Tell me first a little bit more about that and then let's go deeper into the kind of work that you do. Yeah. Well, I actually haven't done a lot of like personal development stuff myself i've probably done more than a lot of people but i've just invested specifically and like in certain areas and gone really deep with that so you know i've worked with preston smiles now twice one-to-one -one. uh i've done his workshops i did a tony robbins workshop and besides that i haven't really done any other courses online i've, I've worked with you know one or two other coach slash therapists um to help me move through some stuff um but yeah, I was introduced to plant medicine in 2017. So I've been working with it now for uh, six years. And 
that was always like the two biggest things that have had the most impact in me really just shifting immensely and, and becoming um, really stepping into and embodying like who I truly am at my core from the inside out was coaching and psychedelics. Those two things have been the most profound thing. Like without psychedelics, I don't think I would be where I am today. I wouldn't. And without coaching, you know, I also don't believe I would be either. And so uh, in 2019, I actually started sharing my um, psychedelic experiences online in podcasts like this and um, in my own podcast that I had at one point and just on social media. And I just had lots of people asking me, you know, into 2020, COVID was happening, lockdown. I had lots of people asking me to to come and journey with me. And the first answer was always like, no way. I don't, I don't do that. You know, this is just me in my bedroom losing my mind by myself. Mm. So um, I'm sorry, but you can't come. <laughs> and then enough people kept asking that you know, eventually a friend and I just took a, a small group of friends, like four people away for the weekend. And, you know, it was like some of their first time experiencing mushrooms and, and DMT and yeah, they just had like profound experiences, a couple of people. And so we just did it again a couple months later with a few more people. And then my friend didn't want to do it anymore. And I sort of ran with it and brought in a lot of the work that I'd learned from all the coaching that I have done. And uh, it turned into, you know, what is now called the infinite potential retreat. Um, and so, yeah, I've just facilitated my ninth retreat in Portugal. Um, that was my first international retreat uh, this year, like, you know, about, about four weeks ago it finished. And it's just the more I've done it, the more it's just been a, it's just been me following a calling. You know, there was not one moment, like a lot of, a lot of the rest of my life on some level has been created by me making a conscious decision. Yeah. Okay. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to go after. I'm going to go start a real estate business. I'm going to make this much money. And then I'm going to try to do this and X, Y, Z will get me this result. Well, this was just like, it was almost like the first thing in my life that just flowed out of nowhere, out of at naturally. And the more I did it, the more people wanted to me to do it for them. And so I just kept doing it and um, kept learning and growing along the way. And uh, yeah, I've realized that it's, it, it is one of my big callings, you know, it's not really a want, it's a need. And I also think like facilitating medicine, um, plant medicine is, is becoming a little glorified, um, you know, now, online with the just the boom in the psychedelic world and there's nothing wrong with that i think it's amazing that more people are getting access to medicine but you know it, facilitating is not something i would take lightly and and not a decision i would choose to lightly make knowing what i know now because the moment you start working with such a powerful uh, plant you will or any kind of medicine, if, you do, if you're a breathwork facilitator, anything like that, you, you will be given experiences that are not yours, but they need to be experienced by you so that you know how to hold other people in it. And, you know, I've had so many, like, very, very challenging, scary experiences with psychedelics just that, that ultimately prepared me to support someone else going through something similar. And that hasn't always been nice, you know, <laughs> like it hasn't always been nice. And it's felt like something I 
can't avoid. I can't not do it. So it's kind of weird in that way. But, uh, but yeah, the infinite potential retreat is a space that I've created. Um, and I'm just so blown away by how amazing it is. Um, it's quite a profound experience to just come up with something or follow a, follow the flow of life in a way. And then, you know, three years later, um, three, four years later to be, you know, facilitating for people who are flying in from all over the world and they come in in a week and a week later, they're, they're a different person, you know, their life then starts to shift and just seeing the, <laughs> the ways in which what, I, what, what I've allowed to come through has just impacted people. So, yeah. yeah. I, I believe um, the biggest thing about my retreats and working with plant medicine, I believe, um, is that, you know, a lot of people will do a lot of coaching work and therapy. Um, and often that starts with um, drinking a little bit too much alcohol or um, not getting along with my partner. You know, we start to try and try and like weave through these surface level things. And we, we try to get under the surface with it and, and work through the specific thing. But it's important to realize that anything that's ineffective, that's ineffective in our life is mostly, uh, most likely operating from a conditioned tendency. And anything that is conditioned, that is not in alignment with our highest, truest self, which is unconditional love, limitless potential, anything is, is an, everything else other than that is, is an illusion. And so when people come and they have an experience of the medicine and they experience unconditional love within themselves, um, it's, it is just like leap. It's like a quantum leap forward because suddenly now they're faced in a situation in life where, you know, their parents speaking to them in a certain way that they don't like, or something's coming up at work and someone's being rude to them or their parent isn't loving them in the way that they showing love to them in the way that they desire rather than be from the pattern, the pattern and try to navigate, you know, their way through it and overthink it. It's clear because in their body, they're like, Oh, I'm a space of love and I'm creating my entire reality. What do I choose here? Love it. And, um, it made me think, uh, I think we talked about this, but I, I don't have any experience with uh, plant medicine. What would you say to somebody like me? Um, no experience, maybe like a little bit of resistance. Just to make yeah. it a little bit more interesting. Well, <clears throat> why do you have resistance? Because it's unfamiliar. Uh-huh. And what do you think? Like, do you feel a lack of control when you perceive having an experience with this yes. medicine? Control and safety. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, those things will come true because you don't have control right now and you don't have safety right now. You're just creating an illusion in your life of what those things are. And so anyone that I find that has resistance, often it comes from fear and it comes from control. <clears throat> and there's also no reason that you don't have to do it, right? So I would never say, well, if you're feeling that way, you definitely should do it. You know, not necessarily, just do whatever feels right for you. And there might come a time in your life when it feels more aligned to do it. However, the, the real question is, do you want to continue your life thinking A trick like just just choosing to believe a lie that you have control and that you have safety or do you want to step into the unknown which is just a metaphor for life really because everything is unknown uh and 
and potentially dissolve, you know, this part of you that doesn't know how to let go, that doesn't know how to surrender. Because what happens in a, you know, there's a, this word safety gets thrown around a lot in, in coaching and you know, there's all this talk about nervous system work at the moment and I'm a big advocate for that. But it's also a trap. There is no such thing as safety. Unless you are being physically, your survival is physically threatened, there's no such thing as safety. It doesn't exist. And often in all this work, we like just create more conditions to add on. Like, oh, when I'm in a circle with women and we breathe three times together and we're holding hands, then I feel safer. Great. That does work. Yes. And I do all of these things in my, in my retreats, right? But it's just important to understand that at the core of it, it's all an illusion. So when you take psilocybin mushrooms, which is the medicine I work with, um, it starts to shut down the back part of your brain, which is called the default mode network. And the default mode network is the part of your brain that, that stores all the super highways of your personality, your beliefs, your, the neural super highways. Mm -hmm. Anything that is habitual and automatic is stored there. So, you know, when people, it's like when they, when people feel attacked by their partner and they just choose to run away and they're sitting in their car by themselves in a parking lot being like, why the fuck did I drive here? I love my partner, but I just needed to get out. You know, it's those moments where we feel like we don't have control over our responses, but we do it anyway. Or we want to we wanna stop drinking alcohol, but we keep doing it anyway. That's because mm -hmm. it's a super highway in our brain. What's also stored in that part of the brain is, is ultimately all our conditioning and illusions because our conditioning and illusions, you know, we don't, we're not consciously thinking of these things every day of like, oh, um, <laughs> you know, uh, when I was, you know, when I was five, I was bullied in school. And so blah, blah, blah. I'm making this decision to show up this way in, in life. So what happens when you experience yourself having that part of your brain start to shut down is that you experience yourself without your illusions. And so what happens in my ceremonies often is that we, we create a safe space before the, the ceremonies. So people know that they are physically safe. Their survival is safe. They can trust me. We've created a deep enough bond in our connection that they know that I've got them no matter what, because I've shared with them what, you know, all, all that I need to. And in that safe space, they can go into themselves and feel unsafe and work through the fear that resides beneath that. And that's what happens in this moment of surrender is I can let go. It's safe to be free. It's safe to be surrendered. It's safe not to have walls up. It's safe not to try and control my reality. It's safe to trust men. It's safe to trust women. And often beneath all of our things is the, the fear is actually a fear of death usually. And so, cause it's like, it's like if I trust a man and he does something wrong, will I die? But you don't have control over where, whether anything, uh, whether anyone can do anything to you or not, you know, like that might happen. You could do all the right things, tick all the boxes, be as surrendered as possible or not. You could put up all the protection mechanisms and it still happens, you know? So that's, that's, you know, that can be scary. It is scary to face your own death. It's scary to, to face your fear of dying and it's, it's freedom. I, th I think the goal is not how do I set up my environment and the people around me in such a way that I feel safe enough to be myself and express who I truly am. It's 
how do I how do I let go of so much that I know that no matter where I go, I can show up. No matter where I go and who's there, I sh- I can show up as me all the time. Mm. Mic drop. That's the I was. This is. I mean, this is all happening for a reason. But this is something that I was literally just contemplating yesterday. How can I create enough safety within that I can show up as who I am wherever I go, no matter who's there? So important. Yeah. Well, you realize that the safety within is also made up. So when you let go of, so it's like, I feel safe within because I know that safety is not real. Say more. That's, that's how I feel. Well, it's like worthiness and unworthiness, right? You can, you can play a game your entire life of making yourself feel more worthy. Mm -hmm. People go out and like get surgery on their bodies, Mm -hmm. put, put breast implants in, you know, all these crazy things people are doing to alter themselves just to feel more worthy. And it might actually, the cause and effect might actually have you feeling more worthy, but you'll always be stuck in that cycle somewhere until you realize that worthiness is also fake. It's an illusion. Mm -hmm. It doesn't exist. By default, you're worthy because you exist. By default, you're safe until you're not safe physically, until your survival is being threatened. Everything else that your brain is telling you is uh, is unsafe is a lie. So and, good. Yeah. And I just want to presence here because we're probably speaking to an audience of women specifically. This isn't to say that you should ignore your intuition and ignore, you know, the parts of your brain that want to, that give you warnings that say, no, this situation is feeling like it's unsafe because that can happen. You know, I, I say women specifically because women are the physically weaker gender of the species. And there's like this, you know, that there is more risk for a woman in the world than there is a man. There just is in that way. That's, that's how it is. So, you know, it's, uh, and this is why people with trauma, um, who, who have been abused, whether it be men or women, you know, they, we need to go into the place of feeling the fear and letting it go to resolve the wound and actually heals to let the love in to let, you know, the surrender in any final things that you want to present anything that you want to share um, that that's still here that wants to be said. Not really. Just trust yourself, mm-hmm. trust yourself, trust your decisions. It's all going to figure itself out in the end. It always is figuring itself out. And, um, you know, it's not, life's not about reaching a destination. It's just about experiencing what's here right now. And, uh, yeah, that's all really. And if any, if anyone wants to get in touch with me, they can, uh, there's an email button on my Instagram page at Alexander waters. I'm not currently on social media right now. Um, but, uh, that will reach me. There's also a link in my bio and in Instagram to sign up to the wait list for my next retreats, which will be released early next year i will have some in the uh, in north america and one probably in europe and uh that's pretty much it i I have to ask you one final question because you just mentioned it um that you're not on social media at the moment and obviously i'm going to link everything you mentioned in the show notes so people can just like click on it um also the link to the wait list and all that good stuff what made you uh not be on social media at the moment 
I think it's very relevant. So that's why I, I would. Yeah, I did six months of social media in 2021. And I stepped back into social media consciously because I was, you know, growing uh, my outsourcing company at that time. Again, we're going through an expansion and I wanted to build a more public profile so I could, you know, also grow my coaching business. But now my priorities are different and I don't, uh, I'm not growing a coaching business. I'm just running my retreats and I'm trusting just that, you know, people, whoever wants to come will come and mm. the right people will be there. So I'm, I'm prepared to wear a potentially slower burn of like, if over the next 10 years, I just had, you know, 30 people work with me every year, well, those 30 people, you know, 99% of them have a positive experience, overall impact on their life, then they're going to tell 10 more people. And that's 300 referrals a year that I'm going to get. And over 10 years, that's 3000, you know, compounding, right? So even more. So I, I'm prepared to just like play a slower game, I guess, with that. And I don't feel the need to like, show up on social media to provide people with value to um you know to win clients and honestly i just besides that it's like do i need to share my life with other people that aren't here like what do i really what do i really get out of it and you know it's it's like it feels good to share sometimes like just genuinely feels good to share and express but most of the time it's like validating and it's validation and approval. And then when I'm spending my time consuming other people's lives or other people's expression or other people's thoughts in a way that I don't deem as uh, actually improving my life drastically. So it's not intentional. It's not like I'm going to a bookstore and saying, right now I'm looking for a book on fasting and going and getting that material and putting it in my brain. Social media is just a, it's just a, it's a buffet, right? It's a, it's a smorgasbord. Everything's just laid out on the table. Um, it's one big platter and I'm, and you, you've got to eat from all of it to eat from some of it. So that, that's kind of my reasoning. And every time I've taken a break from social media, my life gets better. I feel happier. I feel more present in my life. I become a better father because we haven't mentioned about a dad to a four-year-old Atlas. And, you know, if the amount of time that even a short amount of time on social media is, let's say the people probably spending the least amount of time on social media on average is still one to two hours a day. Mm. That to me is just compounded. Where else can I put that in my life in a way that's going to bring me more fulfillment and joy long-term and give me an even better output of what I want to put out into the world and express myself. So that's why, you know, it's, it's like this also, um, Sophia, like I was just writing all these posts all the time and sharing stuff. And I'm like, man, if I just put this time into writing a book, I don't know if I want to write a book yet, but if I just put all this time into writing a book, didn't say anything to anyone for 12 months and just channeled all the, all of those expressions that come out instead of it being a two second to one hour piece of content that people see very short term and then it dies because the algorithm doesn't show it again wouldn't it be better for me to create more permanent states of expression through music through words that you know even if it's a book and a thousand people buy it they're going to have that book forever probably yeah. until they burn it some at some point or <laughs> lose it or you know it gets wet but um 
<clears throat> that just feels like more a better way to place my energy, mm. really. So that's all my reasons. Yeah, I resonate with that. And and it's a process, like, because it's, I got so used to being on social media that I think it would be, you know, a little bit of a process to move away from it. Um, but I, I agree with even just like, I asked myself the question, like, why, what am I doing this for? Um, and is this like, even if this was like, quote unquote, marketing, is this, is this an alignment with who I am, right? And how I want mm. because that's not the only sometimes in certain spaces that we learn or, or people suggest that that is the way to go. But is it, <laughs> you know, um, exactly? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And <clears throat> I love what you just said, like, is this in alignment with me and who I am and who I want to be? Yeah. Because even though expression is really important to me and I love sharing things like we're having a beautiful conversation yeah. right now, you know, I wouldn't do this if I didn't enjoy it. Yeah. Um, I noticed that, you know, it, social media can be a bit of an echo chamber and a bubble and everyone's in there trying to share the next nugget of wisdom and you know, promoting their thing and speaking to their followers in a certain way to get them interested enough so that they buy from them. And I just looked at all these paradigms myself and I'm like, that I'm manipulating. I'm trying to be manipulative. Yeah. I'm being manipulative. I'm being controlling. I'm trying to control aspects of myself and other people so that they engage with me in a certain way, you know, even down to like the little things that people do, you know, which is like, I'll go and follow all the people in my niche so that they see my stuff and they see me following them and I'll like their posts. That is, that's not fucking genuine. No. That's not fucking genuine at all. And whilst all of those things are great and it might feel authentic to some people, I'm not judging it, it's, uh, and it can be successful. You know, It can be successful in getting you a result that you want to get. To me, I'm just at a point where I'm willing to take the risk of not doing that and deepening what's here and now and the relationships that I build through natural mechanisms and seeing the multiplier and the compound effect come from that. Yeah. Which, which I think it's going to work. I know it's going to work. It's, it's already working. Yeah, exactly. And it's, uh, <laughs> no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, and whether it works or not, because that's probably the wrong word to yeah. use, but whether it works or not is like, actually, this is just what I want my life to be like. So it is working right now because I'm choosing what I want. Yeah. Yeah. And like you were saying, right, it, it, of course, it can be successful, but at what cost, you know, um, at the cost that a lot of energy is going into this world that isn't even real, uh, that is creating a lot of like brain highways about what you have to wear and where you have to go on vacation. And, you know, like it's creating mm. a lot of kind of like, waste or like energy um in our in our beingness that is distracting us from what is actually true right and especially like kind of what we talked about like this this place where you are now um and and where i strive to be every day is where i can just listen to what's already here and not mm. within me right not on on social media and and to listen to the tap on the shoulder and, and to go there rather than uh, what would be a good strategy, right? And mm. and 
to me, that feels more expansive, more true, more aligned to, to move from the from the tap, from the ooh, what wants to move through me versus all the conditioning, all the stories, all the things that that I see when I consume a lot of stuff on social media. And um, yeah. and it's almost like you can't it, it's going to make it so much harder to listen to what's really here for you when there is all this chatter Um that that is that is there and uh, i also feel called to share like because ultimately like you could say somebody who's like selling something on social media or like a coach or somebody in the personal development space it's about service right like i mean ideally maybe not for everybody but and um i grew up in the church so my mom is a pastor and um recently i've and part of what i think part of like kind of like my purpose is to to work or like to be in a way that my mom is just in a different context right without jesus necessarily um and sometimes i just think about wait like so how do they do that they also like offer events and and circles and it, it has different names right and and ceremonies um and so i just watch what my mom and um kind of like does in her in her field of work and be like what if i translated that to what feels good for me what would that look like uh, and obviously, you know, I mean, I know that there's like charges on social media and stuff, but um, the way it was like built um, and the way like, you know, my mom, quote unquote, ran a successful business, if you want to call it that. Um, it's, a business, it's a business. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, like it operated on completely different uh, assumptions and principles. And and I'm like, ooh not all of that is maybe maybe good or healthy but what is what can i learn from that sort of setup where ideally that is really about service right um yeah because i guess like because the it's not like tied to money in the same way but 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 aside from that so you know like there's so many different ways to go about it and to think about it and uh, and again to to trust that whoever is supposed to be at your retreat will be there um, and, and to be okay with it may be taking longer or, or not even, you know. Exactly, exactly. And I think the point here is like, again, <clears throat> are you aware that you have choice and, you know, what choice do you want to make? Because I've got friends, you know, Jordan Candlish, you know, he's, he's big on TikTok and Instagram, hundreds of thousands of followers. And he loved, he tells me he loves making the videos. Mm. He loves it. And, and it serves him. I don't love it. You know, I, I don't, and right now I don't choose that. I might choose it again in, in, at some point in time. That's why I've kind of decided I'll probably take six months away from social media, but you know, it's just about choosing what's, what's right for you in any moment and uh, letting go of attachment to, an outcome and doing things that you don't truly want to do mm. or be in alignment or not in alignment with where you're at just to get a specific outcome or result. Cause when you're focused on the one thing that you think you've got to do, that you hate doing, mm. you're missing out on the infinite possibilities that exist outside of that. Yeah. <clears throat> um, Amen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And the, and the funny thing is, you know, it's like for me, I think people really like when they work with me, they're, they're paying me to be slow. They're paying me to be present. They're, they're paying me to be there for them. And I, social media for me doesn't help 
me get cultivate that energy the most for me mm. and um you know mm. so good so good alex thank you so much this was really fun thank you um yeah uh thank you for being here thank you loved it thank you for listening to human at heart you can sign up to be part of my community at sophiaonearth.com and follow me on instagram at sophiaonearth until next time stay human Thank you.